Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 259 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Psalm chapter 73 today and our focus is on why does God allow bad people to have great lives? Why does God bless the wicked? Well, Every day we go through the Word of God. Twice a week we are in the Old Testament, here lately in the Psalms, and the rest of the week we are in the New Testament. Our goal is to inspire you to read the Word of God, to listen to the Word of God, and follow the Word of God on a daily basis. And I would invite you to check out our website, which is Bible2021.com, and I would beg and plead with you to tell a friend or family member or somebody on social media about the show so they can check it out and join with us in daily Bible reading. Best way to get them to do that is point them to the, our website where they can subscribe. Once again, that website, Bible2021.com. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful psalm tonight. One of my favorite chapters that we've read this year. I say that because I actually think it's been a while since I've read Psalm 73. So for whatever reason tonight, when we read it as a family together, it was just really fresh and I was blown away by it. This psalm is deep waters. There are some deep truths here. So better get your life vest buckled on tightly because we're going to dive in. One of these seemingly strongest charges against Christianity is the so-called problem of evil. The ancient Greek philosopher Epicurus and the more modern skeptic David Hume have argued that the obvious existence of evil in the world rules out the possibility of a beneficent God like the God of the Bible, a God who is all good. David Hume phrased Epicurus' argument something like this. Proposition 1, if an omnipotent omnibenevolent, that means all, 100% good, and omniscient God exists, then evil does not. Proposition two, there is evil in the world. Conclusion one, therefore an omnipotent, omnibenevolent, and omniscient God does not exist. Well, I don't think you've proved your proposition one there, Epicurus and Hume, but does such a logical formulation rule out the possibility of a good God? Well, no, of course it doesn't. It especially does not rule out the God of the Bible, in fact, because if there wasn't evil in the world, and if seemingly good people didn't suffer, then the Bible would be found faulty and absolutely wrong in several instances, because the very the Bible very clearly depicts evil forces rampant in the world, and it depicts relatively or seemingly good people suffering. And it contains multiple promises that relatively or seemingly good people will continue to suffer. For instance, see Jesus in John 16, 33. The problem of evil, therefore, is no problem for the Bible, in other words. Today's psalm, however, presents us with quite a different but related philosophical problem, the problem of the wicked prospering. Why doesn't God quickly judge and punish evil people? Why does evil prosper? Well, our friend Asaph, who wrote Psalm 73, is going to take up this most important question. And I got to tell you, I like how Asaph thinks. He's about to lay something really heavy on us. But right before that, he stops to praise God in verse 1. He says, God is indeed good in Israel. Amen. And then he launches into describing a situation he went through with really pretty admirable transparency, a soul-rending episode in his life where he very nearly lost his faith in God. If you've been there before, maybe you've gone through something or seen something that was almost enough to make you slip away 
then Asaph is your guy. He tells us in verse 2, right off the bat, that his foot had almost slipped. He had nearly stumbled away. So what, what made Asaph stumble so badly? In this case, it was envy of the wicked and arrogant and rich, as it turns out. Here's his description, and boy, is he descriptive. He says, for I envied the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They're not in trouble like others. They're not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Look at them, the wicked. They're always at ease and they increase their wealth. Well, to summarize, Asaph looks around and he sees these people prospering who are rich, well-fed, arrogant, haughty, wicked, uh, talk trash, and they care nothing for following God or his commands. They live their lives apart from seeking God. They don't take any pains to obey him, and yet they seem blessed. Their ease, their food, their wealth seems to grow, even though they just keep on doing bad things. And Asaph is like, so what's up, God? Why are you allowing such people to be blessed? Well, it's kind of a big problem, right? And much of the amazingly underrated book of Habakkuk is all about this problem. Read it when you can. It's like really, really good. Uh, but Asaph here, he sees the wicked prospering and he sees himself, you know, living or seeking to live a holy and God-pleasing life, seeking to follow God's commands. And yet he's been suffering and he rightly has questions about that. He says in verse 13 and 14, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I'm afflicted all day long. I'm punished every morning. So Asaph is really bothered. He's like, look, I'm trying to obey you and do the right thing, God, but like I'm sick. I'm having these troubles. I, why? What's going on? He's so bothered by this, in fact, that he tells us he gets to a place of hopelessness. Uh, in verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. But right after that, he literally has an epiphany because he goes to the right place. Verse 17 tells us, I seemed, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny, the destiny of the wicked. So Asaph goes in to worship God. And in that amazing, uncanny way that worshiping and focusing on God has a way of opening our eyes and putting life in its proper perspective, Asaph's eyes are opened. And he realizes the fate of the wicked and the ultimate fate of those who are godly. He, you know, basically sees into eternity. He sees that even though a wicked person might prosper their whole lives, right? That's nothing compared to an eternity of suffering punishment. Verse 18, Asaph says, Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end swept away by terrors. Wow. So let me say it again. Asaph worships God in the sanctuary and then his perspective is utterly changed. He had become embittered. He was hopeless. He tells us in verse 21, he says, when I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and I didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you. Like he had it bad. Like he says, I was stupid. I was wounded. I was embittered. I was hopeless about that. 
the wicked prospering. But then he worships God. And the act of worshiping God in the sanctuary seemingly causes scales to come off of his eyes. And he sees the goodness of the Lord. And he's enabled to see with a much more eternal perspective. Worship is like that, right? When our eyes are on God and our hearts, minds, and words are lifting him up, the things of the world seem to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, I kind of like that. Maybe I should write a song. The last four verses are a treasure, a genuine and beautiful reminder of God's goodness and the fact that he is our refuge and strength. Remembering that David and Asaph went through so many physical and emotional and mental and spiritual trials, and yet they were still able to proclaim the goodness of God. Knowing that, that's good for my heart. Knowing that they almost slipped and God held on to them is also good for my heart. Well, here are those last four verses. Who do I have in heaven but you, and I desire nothing on earth but you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord my refuge, so I can tell about all you do. Well, let's go read the whole psalm together, verse by verse. We need to hear it more than once today. Psalm chapter 73, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They're not in trouble like others. They're not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, How can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They're always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I'm afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all of this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors. Like one waking from a dream, Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal towards you, yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me... God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. Amen. Well, let's close with our Bible verse of the month. It is 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. And it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, 
for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.